Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Big stories, big guests, the big picture. Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge. Weekdays 1230 to 3, 770 CHQR. Look, ultimately, the decision next Tuesday for Galgarians comes down to what you view as costs and what you view as benefit when it comes to hosting the Olympics. And really, I mean, cost-benefit analysis is, is something we apply all the time to all kinds of decisions that we make. It seems pretty reasonable. You list the pros, you list the cons as you see it. Uh, and one side will outweigh the other in your view, and you'll make a decision. And that's what people are being asked to do next Tuesday. Should Calgary host the Olympics? What are the costs and what are the benefits? And what do you place value in? And it's possible that for a lot of people, uh, that what they place value in or what they view as important, it not, doesn't necessarily come down to dollars and cents. And I get that there is a social component to this, a civic pride component to this, uh, I enjoy sports component to this. Now, to me, I, I think the costs, I worry that the costs are being understated, the benefits are being overstated. That's my big concern. But we do need to try to understand as best we can what the costs would be, what the benefits would be. And people are going to come up with different answers in terms of which outweighs which. And that's obviously this, this exercise in democracy. Now, unfortunately, we're getting this less than a week away from the plebiscite. Like I said yesterday, I mean, the horse has left the barn on, on so much of this. The fact that the city had promised that detailed information would be made available 30 days before the plebiscite. Look, obviously, there's no rolling back the clock here. It is what it is. Uh, But to its credit, city administration reached out to Ernst & Young uh, to come up with a cost-benefit analysis of the Calgary 2026 draft hosting plan concept. And that was released today. Joining us for his thoughts is Trevor Toome, economist um, at the University of Calgary, associate professor in the Department of Economics, research fellow at the School of Public Policy. Trevor, great to have you back with us here. Great to be here. Thanks for having me. All right. Well, I mean, just your own thoughts on the fact that we have this this document in the first place and, and that uh, administration ensured that uh, this got out there. Well, I think this is one of the more productive reports I've seen um, yet uh, by, by any group about Calgary 2026. It really does... I think help frame the discussion in a in a really productive way by introducing this idea of bidding and hosting the games in terms of different buckets, if you will. Right. There's all sorts of different considerations, some that are inherently unquantifiable, just very qualitative, uh, loose things around community pride, promotion of sports, for example, and then and then other aspects of the games that can be quantified, such as the the public dollars that go towards it, for example. And so what this report does is it goes bucket by bucket, thinking about those pros and cons, evaluating them within each bucket, and then uh, leaves it to individuals to decide for themselves whether the, the costs are worth it. And I think it, it does it in a pretty honest way. It, it shows what those costs are. So it is a cost to the government. 
uh, which is something that you don't often hear phrased in a very clear way in other reports. Mm-hmm. Uh, but but there are other benefits. Uh, there are the the broader social benefits. I guess uh, there's um, a kind of warm glow that people in a city just are happy when the games are going on. So this is something that's measured by surveys and cities of the past, and that kind of additional happiness, you know, has, has a value. And then it's it's just up to us to weigh that against the alternative uses to which the uh, government financial contribution could be put. Right. And I, I guess part of the problem is when we have a last-minute kind of funding arrangement, uh, you know, by extension, you're going to get a last-minute cost-benefit analysis. Something like this might have been more valuable sooner, but yeah. it is what it is, right? Yeah. I, I assume they've been working on this for quite some time. So the Ernst Young report, it's a 58-page report, so I assume they did a lot of work prior to uh, the details coming out, and they just kind of, kind of filled in the blanks. And, and be, because of the way this report was structured, they could evaluate a lot of the pros and cons without knowing exactly what the dollar figures would be. And then once we know, well, then now we can write about that in a section on the financial costs without actually changing any other any of the other pros and, and cons in there. And as much as there may still be uncertainties at this point about what exactly the costs are going to be, we, we have a relatively good idea. And then that's kind of where this report is coming from. Right. So we know how, or at least at the moment, what the plan is to split these across governments, $1.4 billion from the Fed, 700 from the province, 390 from the city. Uh, how that affects you know, our, our tax bill depends on what governments choose to do to fund those contributions, which is another strength of this report. It thinks about whether or not the $700 million from the province is new dollars or just substituting from other things, and it explores the full range if all of it is being substituted from other projects, which I think is probably the more likely scenario, or if it's new dollars. Uh, and then and then from the perspective of, of the city, that's something where I think um, we, we know a good deal more now than, than we used to. And there's still some gray area around what the, the city insurance contract is going to look like. I think there was some recent confusion around who would cover security cost overruns, for example. But I think things are starting to settle down to a pretty solid base at the moment. Well, Jay, and just regarding that provincial money for a moment, because... You know, are we to look at this as the Alberta government finding money for an Olympics that would take place in Alberta and it's irrespective of anything else? Or does this possibly displace future capital funding to Calgary, for example, from the provincial government? Yeah, I, I think that's the question, a very important question, a question that a future provincial government will answer rather than uh, a government today. What we do know for sure is that the budget situation provincially is pretty difficult, um, and it has been for a number of years now. And this year, the government took a decision to shrink the amount of planned capital spending and shrink it a lot by over $5 billion over the next three years relative to what they were originally planning to spend. So the list of projects that the provincial government doesn't fund but are valuable projects includes about four dozen school modernization and construction projects, two dozen road and highway projects, for example. So there, there is a list of other projects that do not have funding for them. So there is a provincial budget constraint. And I suspect, regardless of who wins the next election, the budget is going to be one of the primary focuses of the next government, of either party. And that suggests that any any dollars for the games are going to come from other projects that will not be funded but otherwise would have. 
Another aspect in this report hasn't been talked about much in, in this whole Olympic debate is, is the environment, that hosting the Olympics definitely comes with an environmental impact. Yeah, and I'm not sure what to make of that either, in that almost every activity we engage in is going to come with some environmental activity or another, uh, just in terms of a lot of the transportation and vehicles used throughout the Games, um, a lot of people coming in and out of the city, right? That's one of the, I guess, uh, one of the primary economic factors here, tourism flows in and out, that leads to higher greenhouse gas emissions, for example. There's also more more waste, uh, for example. So they, they do explore that. It's hard to put a firm number on a lot of that. Um, I guess my view on that is it doesn't really matter if we price the emissions appropriately, which is um, certainly a topic of discussion here in Alberta and federally, but given that price, then... Um, then it really doesn't matter to me what the what the emissions associated with the games are. But right. yep, it's in the report and certainly worth exploring and talking about. We've spoken before about you know the question of return on investment, some of the economic impact claims that have been made uh, through this discussion. Now, uh, the Ernst and Young report seems to approach it very responsibly because they're not necessarily uh, citing any kind of a return on investment number, but, but noting that. There are some economic benefits. What does it tell us about that? Yeah, and it does approach it very responsibly. I think that's a good way to phrase it. Typically in these kind of reports, what we see are what are called input-output models, which is just a tool that um, were developed early in the 20th century uh, to think about how flows move between sectors through input and output linkages. And in that kind of, in that kind of setting, Traditionally, analysts will then plug in the spending associated with the games, ignore where the dollars come from, and just see where those dollars flow, which sectors, and they kind of multiply back and forth um, through magic, and then that generates an increase in GDP. You always get a big boost in GDP. It's impossible to have spending on the games lead to less than a big return on those on those dollars that are spent it's it's literally impossible so what they do instead is to not try to hang their hat on a specific number certainly um an inflow of spending into calgary will very likely employ at least some people that perhaps weren't employed before weren't in the labor force before might increase incomes through higher wages for example if there's a congested labor market uh but it also might lead to some uh, some cost to the economy by shifting activity across sectors towards the Olympic venues and construction activities away from potentially more productive uses of those workers and capital. And that's really hard to quantify, too. So uh, I'm quite pleased they didn't hang their hat on a GDP number and then implicitly presume that there's a 10 to 1 return, which is a number we're hearing a lot of from the bid corporation. And I think that's a very misleading way to frame the discussion. Yeah, and it's important to stress that. And I mean, even if we look at at the cost and, and take what we have in front of us in, in, in face at face value, total spending on the Olympics is not the same as total spending in Calgary. And that is that's true for multiple reasons. So spending on the Olympics in Calgary, some of it will go to labor compensation of non-Calgarians, soldiers in RCMP overtime, for example, or some of the Olympic staff that fly in from elsewhere, or it'll be allocated to imports of material and equipment used in the construction and operation uh, phase of the game. So it's not money that's flowing into Calgary, and it's not money that's necessarily flowing into assets that remain here. Some of it certainly is, uh, the venues, for sure, but not all the spending. And in addition to that, uh, the, the public funds 
would have been used in other ways. And what's relevant for Calgary is just the extent to which Calgary is getting dollars that wouldn't have come to Calgary otherwise. Like maybe Edmonton gets one less school as a result of this. Uh, in that sense, it's a gain to Calgary and the way that public funds were allocated within Alberta. Or federally, the dollars for the games, very likely under the federal sports policy, would have been spent elsewhere in the country. And so in that sense, some of it is a flow into Calgary, but certainly not all. You don't just want to look at what's the total cost of the game divided by how much the city government is putting in and then say that that's somehow a rate of return to the city of Calgary. Very interesting. Uh, well, people can read this report. It is up at uh, calgary.ca. Trevor, appreciate the insight as always. Thanks for making some time for us here today. Thank you very much. All right, take care. Trevor Toom, Associate Professor, Economics, University of Calgary, Research Fellow with the School of Public Policy. Uh, he's going to be part of this. Um, there's an event happening tonight at the Central Library. Uh, discussion on the Olympics that Trevor Toom's going to be a part of. So I really appreciate his contribution to this debate. Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge, starting at 1230 on News Talk 770 Calgary.